Hello, and thank you for listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. I am Teresa Kuhn, helping you live wealthier. Resources are available for you at livingwealthyradio.com. Hi, Joshua here, producer for Living Wealthy Radio. Today, Teresa is talking with a very effective business networker about the importance of screening those you allow in your life. The talk was a little pressed for time. Dr. Meisner only had 30 minutes to give us this time. But this interview is teeming with helpful insights for building a personal network to propel your life success. Perhaps we'll have to bring him back on for a follow-up interview to answer all the great questions we uncovered in this talk. One of the points that came up that I found fascinating was the residual effect that toxic people can have on your future, even after you've removed them from your life. When you say yes to a relationship, it has lasting impact that goes on even after that person has moved on. This is a powerful thought that emphasizes both the negative and the positive consequences of your relationships and networks. Each person in your life is an engine or an anchor. Stay tuned for some helpful tips on identifying and mitigating the harmful effects of the negative forces in your circles. Today's enriching fact of the day is that you can magically connect with people of all walks simply by using an old magician's trick called perspective taking. Have you ever asked someone for their name and then immediately forgotten it? Why is it so easy to forget something so quickly? Well, because we don't listen to understand. We listen to respond. When someone introduces themselves, we're thinking about our own name, about putting out our hand for the handshake, or about what item of small talk we'll lead with. We can take a lesson from magicians. It is crucial for people who deal in illusions to see the trick from the perspective of their audience. If you think about it, the sleight of hand steps and procedures are all they see. They don't see the trick like we do. But for it to work... It must look seamless on our end. So magicians employ something called perspective taking. They perform their tricks in front of a mirror, or they watch video recordings of their performances. They try to get inside the audience's mind to understand how it might appear to them. They take the perspective of their audience. Likewise, the simple trick of making lasting and meaningful connections with others is to take conscious steps to understand their perspective. We do this by asking questions, analyzing their frame of reference, putting ourselves in their shoes. And when we understand one another by taking these steps, and when we feel understood, we connect. No matter how different we may be, we can connect deeply and develop lasting relationships by proactively understanding where people come from and how they see the world. Today's enriching fact reveals that connection and meaningful relationships aren't really a trick. They're the byproduct of purposeful listening, caring, and making an effort to understand as you want to be understood. You're listening to Living Wealthy Radio with Teresa Kuhn. There are so many business leaders, entrepreneurs, and employees who are unaligned and therefore spinning their wheels. The result is a loss of productivity and burnout. Virtually all companies, big and small, are underachieving their maximum potential. 
And why? Well, because they lack the tools, the information, the accountability to achieve meaningful objectives. That's why here at Living Wealthy Radio, we love Business Finishing School, or BFS. They provide you with the tools, strategies, and information you need to run your business more effectively and efficiently. This simplifies your processes and maximizes your potential. The first year alone teaches you the 12 foundation principles of business to immediately streamline your business and begin seeing results. Plus, there are three more years of powerful material on top of that to finish out a complete business education. Let your business brain finish what your entrepreneurial heart started. The power is in the simplicity. For more information on BFS, visit businessfinishingschool.com. Joining us today is Dr. Ivan Meisner, the founder of BNI, the world's largest business networking organization, and the co-author of Who's in Your Room? The Secret to Creating Your Best Life. He's here to help us understand how the people in our lives shape us and how to design a life of harmony and happiness. Welcome to Living Wealthy Radio, Dr. Meisner. So your book talks about everyone having a room. Would you explain mm. the room concept for our listeners? Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. So imagine that you live your life in one room, and that one room has only one door. And that one door is an enter-only door. So that when people come into your life or into your room, they're there forever. You can never get them out. Now, luckily, this is a metaphor, but if it were true, would you be more selective about the people that you let into your life? Would you, Teresa? Of course. <laughs> yeah, that's what everybody says. And so why aren't we? Why aren't we more selective about the people that we let into our life? And um, I think that's because we haven't been trained to. We, we haven't really thought about it. But honestly, I believe it's more than a metaphor. I think uh, it's far more than a metaphor. Think for a moment about someone who's out of your life. Uh, they're, they're out of your room, but, but they were there at one point. And if you're a listener, I want you to think about somebody in your life that's out of your life. Now, Teresa, I want you to, I want you to think about this person. Do you have someone in your mind? Maybe they were toxic. They were angry. They were difficult. You got somebody like that? I do. Okay, you don't have to stay on on air who it is. <laughs> That's a good thing, right? Yes. Uh, so I think everybody does. So here's the deal. If they're still in your head, they're still in your room. Because they've impacted your life. Uh, we interviewed Dr. Daniel Amen, who you may recognize uh, from the PBS specials. Uh, yeah. And one of the things he said is that uh, the people in your life, their fingerprints are all over your brain. And so you may get them out of your life, but their fingerprints are still in your brain. You're going to remember the experiences that you have with them, good or bad. And, and so uh, imagine the room is really your brain. It's your mind. It's your memories. And once they get in, you can't get them out. Now, you can, you can put them in a box and put them on a shelf, but they're still there. And so what we suggest is that you – be more selective about the people that you let into your life. And that's what the whole concept of the room is about. 
Well, I, I absolutely love the metaphor, and I agree. It's not just a metaphor. And from Dr. Amen's perspective and the impact or the consequence or the effect that people in our lives have on our brains, good or bad, certainly there. Also from an energetic, spiritual perspective, right? People, the you know, relationships that we have, even if it's a moment or a day or a, a conversation, they they do leave footprints in our energetic field, not to sound really out there, right? But from a spiritual perspective. And I do mentor young people and I tell them from a relationship perspective, and we're getting really deep, really personal, really fast, uh, sexual perspective, right? Uh, You know, choose your partners very, very carefully. In fact, I know you'd agree with me from your room perspective, you know, people getting involved in relationships with people that they may not want for the rest of their lives, but sometimes yeah. the consequences are they're there for the rest of their lives. They are. They're certainly in their head for the rest of their life. Now, I'm, I'm, I, you know, not a psychologist and I'm not uh, an expert on personal relationships, but I am an expert on business relationships and I certainly I have enough gray hair to have a sense of personal relationships. And what you're saying is 100% accurate. Uh, it, it, we, we tend to go, no, nobody taught us this stuff when we were young. I wish I had had this book. I wish somebody had written this book when I was a teenager and I read it because it would certainly make a difference in how I uh, led my life uh, in terms of letting people in because my life to a certain extent was just a revolving door. People kind of came in and, and went out, and I didn't restrict access and didn't really know any better. And that's the whole purpose of this book is to is to learn how to restrict access appropriately for the right people. I think it's one of the most important books out there. I read all the time. I read tons of books. And from a personal development, business development character perspective. I think it's so, so important. And I have a young son. He's 23 years old. He's not that young, but I taught him these concepts many years ago. He's been exposed to, you know, these kind of concepts for a long time. And I really don't know if young people really appreciate the wisdom in the books, right? And, and especially this book, the wisdom, but you know, you say you're not sure. I have ties that are that old, so that's young for me. <laughs> well, let's talk about the doctor um, in your yeah. name, right? You're not a, um, a a people doctor, so to speak. But where does that no. dr phd come from in your name? Well, it, it's a it's a degree from University of Southern California in organizational behavior. So, uh, you know, I, I do understand people from a business perspective reasonably well. And, you know, I've run the world's largest business networking organization for 34 years, BNI. And so I've had an opportunity to um, meet many people and to do business with a lot of people. And, uh, you know, the, the subtitle of the book is The Secret to Creating Your Best Life. But it also is The Secret to Creating Your Best Network. Uh, you, you know, the quality of your life is dependent on the people in your life, both personally and professionally. And I think the biggest mistake I've made, and I've, I've made mistakes in letting people into my life personally, but some of the biggest mistakes I've made was letting people into my life professionally, where I knew, I knew they were full of drama. 
I knew they had issues, but I said, okay, anyway, because I thought I could deal with the drama. And by the way, that's one of my deal killers. We talk about deal killers and values in the book. One of my deal killers is I don't, I don't want to do business with people with drama. And before I fully understood that, I let people in like that. The problem with letting people like that into my room was that maybe, just maybe I could deal with them. I didn't like it, but I could. What I didn't think about was the impact it would have on other people. And those other people couldn't deal with the drama that these individuals brought into mm. projects. And that was an eye-opener for me. And, and that was, as a matter of fact, when I first heard this concept, my, my co-author Stuart Emery brought it to me. And when I first heard this concept, it was at an event I went to and he shared it. I came home and I immediately fired somebody from a project that week. Because I realized I let them into my room and I shouldn't have, into my business life and I shouldn't have. And I let them go. The project turned around almost immediately. And it was a real lesson for me uh, on being better about who I let into into my life, both professionally and, and business-wise. Here's a, here's a personal one, because you know, we're talking mostly business, but here, here's a personal one. My wife and I have a deal breaker. And deal breakers come out of values, and I'm, I'd be happy to talk about values if you'd like, but deal breakers, I think, are a great place to start thinking about what your values are. My wife and I have a deal breaker in going out with other couples that don't love and respect each other. They have to treat each other lovingly and respectfully. Now, look, I've been married 30 years this year, so maybe I haven't always been as loving as res or as respectful as I could have been. But as a rule, most people would look at our marriage and, and say they treat each other with respect and with love. And that's what we're looking for. And so that's a deal breaker. When we go out with other couples that don't treat each other with love and respect, they're not in our room. We don't let them in. Well, and isn't that the first step in establishing the doorman of your room, right? You've got to have yeah. rules and filters and values is like the number one or the first step in determining who you're going to let in your room, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And the values are the key. And when, when I talk to people and I say to them, okay, give me your top seven values. It's like deer in the headlights. <laughs> they hem and they haul and they go, well, uh, uh, honesty. Well, okay, that's good. Now give me six more. They're, they're clueless. Most people have not really thought about what their personal values are. And what we talk about in this book is you've got to get good with your values. If you don't know what your values are, you don't know who to scream mm -hmm. out of the room. And then you have to train the doorman. So you brought up the doorman principle. I love this principle. That was uh, brought into the book by my co-author, Rick Sapio. Uh, Rick uh, had the concept of the doorman principle. Now, this, you could call this anything you want. You can call it your guard, your guardian, your door person. It doesn't really matter. We call it our doorman. And the doorman is our conscious and subconscious mind. And we, we converse with this imaginary doorman. Don't do it out loud, by the way. But you converse with this imaginary doorman and you train the doorman, which is your conscious and subconscious mind. You train your doorman to screen people based on 
criteria, and those criteria have to be your values. So if you don't know your values, you can't train your doorman. If you know your values, then you can train your doorman. And you train your doorman based on the values that are important to you. And if somebody's trying to get into your room that has values, by the way, they don't have to be the same as yours. Diversity is good, even with values. They just can't be dissonant. They can't be incongruent with yours. And when you bring people into your life who have values that are incongruent with you, that's where things go sideways. And so your values are really important. I think it goes back to that concept. And I don't know if it was Jim Rohn or who, who you know, which personal development speaker really uh, talked about this decades ago, but you are the average of the five people you spend time with. And that's not, you know, most people think about it in terms of money, right? But it's really everything, lifestyle, health, weight. Yeah, it really is. I think Jim is one of the first people that, um, is known for saying that. I know Jack Canfield has said it, but really let's think about it for a moment. Didn't our moms tell us this? Absolutely. Mom told me this, you know, 50 years ago. I don't want you hanging out with that boy, (laughs) that boy, Johnny. He's, he's a bad influence. And, and so um, this is a concept that's been around a long time. You, You, you become the people you hang out with. If you're hanging out with people that are uh, forward thinking, they want to learn, they uh, are contributing to you in your life, they're not negative. Those are the kind of people you want to hang out with. In the book, we we call them anchors and engines. Uh, An engine is somebody who drives you forward. They make you a better person. They contribute to your life. An anchor is somebody that just weighs you down. They're negative, they, they complain, they, they just are taking you down rather than lifting you up. The worst, the worst is the anchors with the engines attached <laughs> that, are, that are just dragging you the opposite direction. Uh, but you, you want to try to find engines in your life, not anchors. And engines that drive you forward in the direction that you want to go. Yeah. And was That's interesting. Right. And that, that are resonant with your values. Yes. And what's tricky is finding that engine who will take you where you want to go and you have enough to offer that engine that they'll allow you to come with so that you're not their anchor. Yeah. That's true. And sometimes that uh, means uh, finding mentors. And we, we talk about that in the book as well. That mentors are so incredibly important in life. Uh, and they, you know, they don't have to have the official title mentor, but th- they're somebody who influences you in, in some way. And uh, I think anyone that's achieved any level of success in life has had a number of mentors, both formal or informal. And, and those are very important. And those are the people that uh, help lift you up and make you a better version of yourself. Uh, You know, some people may be listening to this and go, I don't even know who to go to talk to. So here's where you start. Never in the history of mankind have we ever had the ability to create, to have virtual mentors Mm -hmm. like we do today. When I was a young man, the only way I had a virtual mentor was if I read a book Mm -hmm. and that person 
gave me advice that was amazing in the book. Today, you've got podcasts, you've got uh, you've got shows like this, you've got uh, webinars, you have YouTube. There's so many places where if you get good with your values, if you understand what your values are, then you go find people that can teach you more that uh, concepts that resonate with your values. And so mentors are absolute engines that take you in the right direction. You know, you said it so well. Today you can have for free at no cost the yeah. most incredible mentors that if you had to pay them to sit down with you and share their wisdom and knowledge, et cetera, uh, you, you know, it would be hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. And so it's, it it's unbelievable yeah. what we've got today, right? In terms of yeah. virtual mentoring. You're absolutely right. And, and I know there are some people going, yeah, but that's, that's not really a mentor. It, it is. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'll give you a real life example of this. Uh, I read a book in 1986, 87 called The E-Myth by mm-hmm. Michael Gerber. The E-Myth. Are you familiar with the book? Oh, absolutely. I've studied yeah, so with Michael Gerber. Uh, the, the, you know Michael. Mm-hmm. So um, I read this book. I created my business plan for BNI based on the E-Myth. And I built a company with almost 9,000 locations in 70 countries following the basic core strategy that Michael gave in the email. And so I've been talking, people over the years have asked me, well, you know, what was your plan to create this global company? And I always said, well, I read this book by Michael Gerber, the email. And one day I said that on the air, and guess who called me? Michael Gerber. Michael Gerber. He did. And he thanked me for naming his book. And he wanted to meet. And and we had an opportunity to meet. And he ended up spending several days at my lake house up in Big Bear. And um, Michael and I I now are very good friends. And here was somebody who was a virtual mentor for me years ago, who's become not only an ongoing mentor, but a peer and a friend. And I would say to people who hear me talking about virtual mentors that this is a fantastic strategy to build your skill set. And these virtual mentors may someday become not only face-to-face mentors, but friends of yours if you really apply this uh, over the the years. Isn't life's synchronicity just so amazing? It it is indeed. It absolutely is. Just and, and you know you can't you can't you, you you tell people this and they're like oh yeah but that's just you that just happened to you. Oh, it, it the synchronicity of uh, of this is not just me. It's it's anybody. If you if you you know in the book we talk about the law of attraction and that the, I believe in the law of attraction and that synchronicity. The thing is the word action is part of the word attraction. And so you have to have that, that synchronicity in mind, but then you have to take action. And by doing the two, that's where magic happens. Well, and I think everyone has the synchronicity. The difference is, and something that, you know, I I have a question about is, you know, negative people, right? 
people hear yeah. that story and they say, oh, you know, that's, that's, you know, that happens to you. That doesn't happen to me. I think everybody from the law of attraction perspective or synchronicity perspective, whatever you want to call it, you've attracted exactly what you've put out there in terms of like, who's in your room, who your values are. We're all practicing this. We just, you know, your book is just putting it out there as there's a way of doing it where you're awake and doing it on purpose, but we all have a room and we all have tons of people in our room already. Do you want the Michael Gerbers of the world in your room? Or do you want the negative dramatic people who are anchors and just drive you down? Right. And and that conscious choice uh, can make a dramatic difference in the number of people that come in that are negative. It is possible for people uh, to slip into a room um, in disguise, so to speak. And I've actually never talked about this in any of my interviews, but I think it is possible for people to slip into your room by disguise. For example, I have business associates who've come in because they ended up becoming partners with someone who I did know and trust, and now they're partners and part of the business, or they're a spouse or they're a significant other that kind of slipped in through a back door and I wasn't involved. And then I had to deal with those people. And I didn't really consciously let them in. They slipped in without me seeing. I say that because people always say, well, it's not my fault. You know, this happened to me, not because cause of my conscious decision-making. I would argue that what you said is 90% of the time correct. What you decide, the choices you make, uh, determine the people in your room. Occasionally, people do slip in through that side door. And and this isn't in the book at all, but I think it's accurate. Uh, When they slip in through that side door, you still have to deal with them. Uh, You may not have screened them, but there they are in your room. Now you got to deal with them. So how do you deal with them? And is there any way well, to restrict of, their access yeah. without, you know, triggering them or angering them or, you know, drama, right? How do you minimize the, uh, the, the effects when someone slips into your room? Yeah, so, you know, will you anger them? Uh, or create challenges? Yeah, probably. It's almost inevitable. But yeah, you can deal with negative people. There's there's a number of techniques that we talk about in the book. Uh, one of them, and and what I, one of the things I love about this book, and you may not know, is we actually had this book up to forty thousand words, and it was too much. We we cut it down to fifteen thousand and made it more. We actually made it more actionable. So. We cut the book down and really focused on action steps. Here's the concept. Now, here are the actions that you can take. So we have several actions that you can take with people that are in your room that maybe you let in and didn't know any better or they slipped in. So uh, two concepts. The first is uh, the concept of benign neglect, benign neglect. So we all have people in our life who we liked. They, they, They were friends. And over time, uh, I have college friends that over time I just kind of lost touch with. I like them. I had a good relationship with them, but I lost touch with them. Do you have anyone like that? I do. I think almost everyone does. 
we, we lost touch with them because of this concept of benign neglect. We just kind of stopped connecting with them. Facebook has actually helped with that, I think, in staying in touch with people that we maybe weren't in touch with uh, over the years. But um, benign neglect works when you don't want it to. Now imagine doing it with a plan. You have a plan for benign neglect. And you gradually uh, reduce on, pur- on purpose, and you use what we call homeopathic doses. Uh, Ariel Ford, uh, who's a thought leader in transformation, shared this idea with us. Homeopathic dose is the minimum dose necessary to treat some ailment. And she suggested that what you do with people is you treat them with homeopathic doses, that you gradually wean them away from the relationship. And here's a good technique, for example, if if you're headed into a city where you have a friend that you no longer really want to be front and center in your room, instead of calling them a month in advance and letting them know you're going to be in town, email them the day before and say, hey, I'm going to be in town. I'm free between 1 and 1.30. If you want to meet, I'd love to meet. <laughs> and and leave it at that. That They can't get mad at you because you didn't reach out to them. And you've limited the amount of time that you're going to be uh, able to meet with them and meet with them and you move on. It's, it's a homeopathic dose uh, of connection. And that's one way to build benign neglect over time. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It does uh, for sure. Now, what do you do with someone who is already in your room that you were born with, right? In your room, like a toxic family member. Yeah. So you have to have some conversations with them. Certainly benign neglect and homeopathic doses work. But here's another one. You, you, you have a conversation with them and you say, you're in my life, especially if they're a close family member, or, you know, a sibling or a parent. You're in my life. I love you. You're welcome in my life, but your baggage has to stay out. Here's an example, a real life example of it. Rick has a great story in the book about his mother. His mother had a lot of um, horrible things happen to her, and, and she became very toxic. And he, she was trying to be a good son. He'd call her every Sunday for an hour and talk to her. And he just couldn't handle it anymore because she was you know, complaining, and she was talking about other people very negatively, his brothers and sisters, and she was just really toxic. And finally, he, he, he said to her, Mom, I love you. I'm going to call you every week at two o'clock on Sunday. Uh, But when you start talking about other people negatively like this, I'm going to say to you, mom, I love you very much. I look forward to talking to you again next week. I'll talk to you later. Bye. And I'm going to hang up. And he said for about three weeks in a row, she tested that. And for three weeks in a row, he, he said those words. I love you very much. Look forward to talking to you next week. I'll see you later. Bye. And he hung up. He said after that, she never did it again. And they spent the rest of her life having good conversations and reconnecting as a parent and child, uh, adult child, uh, because he refused to allow her to have her baggage brought into his room. It's tough, but you've got to draw a line in the sand if you want it to work. It's a great story. That is a great story. You know, 
there's that saying, tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are, right? It's yeah. because people yeah. rub off on you, you know, people that are in your room and even family members, you know, if they're toxic, it does rub off and we don't see yeah. it immediately, but over time it absolutely affects us. And that's a great way of letting a toxic family member know, I love you. I'm not rejecting you. I reject a certain conversation or I reject your baggage and it's done yeah. with love, but it protects you as well. Yeah, it, it does. Especially if it's done with love. Now Rick, uh, I mean, uh, Stuart's got a, a great story. It's not in the book, but he tells this great story. He didn't quite do it with as much love. I like, I like the love approach that Rick had, but his mother-in-law would constantly complain to him about what he ate, what he drank, what he smoked, whatever, just complaining. And, and, you know, he explained the doorman principle and the baggage idea. And, and one day she was talking to him and she just started going off on this rant with him and he, and he hung up. <laughs> he didn't say anything. He just hung up and she called him back and she said, Stuart, did you just hang up on me? And he said, uh, mom, no, I'm, I didn't, I would never hang up on you, but my doorman did because <laughs> you, you started going off on this rant. <sighs> Only Stuart could get away with that. He's from Australia, so he always blames being an Australian for that kind of stuff. <laughs> and really, I think that's where the power of the doorman and who's in your room principle comes in. Sometimes we won't protect ourselves. Sometimes we don't hold ourselves yeah. to a place that we should. And having the idea of a doorman or someone who holds us to a higher standard, right? The, the, the bad cop, yeah. so to speak, right? Doing right. it for us. I think that analogy is so powerful. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. So what other key practices or recommendations would you have to help someone live a happier life? You know, the quality of life today, so many people struggle. We've got so mm -hmm. many things going on, so many things that are screaming for our attention, Ooh. right? People are yeah. overstressed and um, just having a hard time coping. What would you say? Yeah, they really are. Uh, well, I think, you know, we used to live in a chocolate and vanilla world many years ago. And today we live in a 31 flavors world where there are just so many different choices to make good choices, bad choices, but just choices. And it's very complex today. Um, you know, I look at my children who are in their twenties, one's in their early thirties. And um, it's just a much more complicated world to, to navigate. And it, it, we, we are very busy and it's hard to create balance. And so we talk about the creation of balance in your life. And uh, I don't know if you've gotten to that chapter yet, but would you like what we, what we call the secret to balance? Absolutely. I know your listeners probably would. So here it is. Forget about balance. You'll never have it. We, we, we think of balance in the sense of uh, the scales of justice and how everything has to be completely in balance. Our personal life has to be in balance with our 
spiritual life, with our business life, with our health. And the truth is, it, it, it's less of a balancing act than it is a, a, a juggling act. And I think a lot of people beat themselves up because they don't have a, a life that's in balance. And I, I, while I don't think balance is possible, I do believe it's possible to have a life of harmony. And this is more than semantics. And we talk about this in the book. It's one of our last chapters, how to live the life that you desire. You can live a life of harmony and it can be out of balance. And that's okay because today in the 21st century, life is pretty chaotic, but it can be a life of harmony. And there are a number of techniques that you can use to create a life of, of harmony. Would you like me to share a couple of those? Please do. So here's the first one. Um, it's three simple words that are much harder to do than to say. Uh, the three words are be here now. Be here now. Wherever you are, be there. If you're at work, don't be thinking about the time you didn't spend with the family last night. And if you're uh, at home, don't be thinking about the project that has to be done at the office. Wherever you are, as much as possible, be present. So nobody's perfect at this. I'm certainly not. But I was pretty good at it. And the more you can be fully present to where you are, the more you can have a life of harmony. Uh, for example, one of the things that I absolutely insisted on was that I'd be home at 6, 6.30 every night and have dinner, dinner with the family. Whenever I wasn't traveling, I would be home with the family. That was sacrosanct, to have dinner with the family. And if I had to work later, you know, put the kids to bed, put the wife to bed, and then, and then work, that's fine. But, but I would be home every night that I wasn't traveling. So be here now. Uh, here's, here's another one that I think is really important. Practice letting go and holding on. Contrary to popular belief, you can't have it all. Uh, unfortunately, life involves making choices. So you have to practice understanding what things to say no to and what things uh, to let go. And then at the same time, what things are truly important in your life and you hold on to them with, your, with all your might. So practice letting go and holding on. Here's a third one. We have, we have about six or seven, but here's a third one. Create margins in your life. So life for people in this day and age is crazy busy. What you want to do is create margins, build in free time, family time, personal time into the margins of your day. Uh, my wife and I, every, almost every day, again, when I'm not traveling, we have what we call wine o'clock. And we go out to the balcony of our house or up in the tower. We have a little tower in our home. We have a great uh, glass of Cabernet watch the deer walk by and just talk. It's uh, something we've done now for years. Every night, our kids are grown up and out of the house, but every night around six or seven, ironically around the same time that we would have dinner, uh, we'll go out and have one o'clock. These are the ways to create a life of harmony versus um, balance. That yeah. makes sense? Oh, how very beautiful. What a, what a beautiful way to end our time together today. Thank you so much, Ivan, for joining us on Living Wealthy Radio. Please let our listeners know how they can follow you online. Well, they can uh, follow me on my blog, IvanMeisner.com. All free content up there. 
And of course, the book we're talking about is Who's in Your Room? And that's available in bookstores and, and online at um, at Amazon. Uh, and of course, uh, I mentioned briefly BNI, BNI.com. Lots of, uh, if anybody's interested in building their business to referrals, BNI is a great way to do it. It is a fantastic way to do it. Again, thank you so much, Ivan. Thank you. I really appreciate the interview. You've been listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. Download or subscribe to our podcast to hear a new show every week. I am Teresa Kuhn, and I hope you'll join me again next week as I show you ways to live wealthier. Resources are available for you on our website at livingwealthyradio.com. 